welcome to the Chapman CG Podcast, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world. Companies have long touted the benefits of a diverse workforce, but often fall short because too many focus on employee representation and fail to spend enough effort in building and nurturing an environment where diverse employees are not only represented, but truly engaged and integrated into the organization. Here today to talk about uh, building a culture of inclusiveness is uh, Michael Vavakis, who's the Group Head of Human Resources for Lend-Lease, based in Sydney. Michael, good to have you with us. Thanks, Matthew. Now, I've known Michael probably for about a decade, and that was when he was doing uh, the Regional Head of HR role for Hewlett-Packard. Um, and Michael, that, you spent, uh, I think, probably the bulk of your career with Hewlett-Packard before Lend-Lease. Was that right? Yeah, I mean, I uh, started as a graduate actually with HP. Um, I had done a little bit of accounting and finance work beforehand, but um, I went to go into HP as a graduate for, in the finance uh, discipline. And when I got there on the first day, they told me you're going to be in the HR discipline, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, but it, um, obviously, 25 years later, it was a good good thing that happened to me at the time. I worked at HP for about uh, 19 years, I think it was in total, and most of the time was actually spent out of Australia in, in the Palo Alto headquarters, but I also had a couple of stints in Hong Kong and then a, a stint in Singapore when, we, when I did the Asia role for HP, and uh, that was actually quite a big role. It was about 100,000 people in the organization at the time, so um, lots of various opportunities that were um, available to me at working at HP for such a long time. After that, obviously, I um, uh, came and joined the Lend-Lease organisation, which has been wonderful for the last five and a half years and um, lots of interesting challenges, especially around diversity with such a, a broad and diverse workforce, everything from you know, investment bankers at one end in our funds management business right through to construction workers in our construction business, obviously, and just a lot of different diversity issues that come up with that. And so um, you're focused on the, the human resources role, but, I, but is it true that you wear a few more hats as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I think a HR job generally does tend to wear different hats, you know, everything from being the custodians of culture through to, you know, really sort of um, getting involved in sustainability and, and safety efforts and so forth, depending upon the sort of the, the nature of the company. But um, one of the new hats that uh, we've got at Lendless is around this uh, desire to make the company more innovative. And um, I've got a role now looking after, you know, helping the organisation to think about how to germinate and and prosper as much innovation in the company as possible. And, you know, innovation means a lot of things, right? It can, you know, we tend to think about things like Google and other things when we think about innovation, but I think we've defined it very nicely at Lendlease to mean any change that adds value. Um, and so it can be big and small. And what the real key is, is sort of helping people to, first of all, be comfortable to raise different ideas and innovative ideas, then know what to do with them, i.e. where to take them and whether they need funding or don't need funding. You know, there's an avenue to drive those through. Um, really creating a supportive culture that supports that and, and ultimately finding measurements and rewards that also really drive and support the change in culture. I think Lendlease, by nature, is a very entrepreneurial and innovative company, 
But what we haven't done is really harnessed that on a global structural basis that really does look at how do we do that in a consistent way and how do we provide, as I said, the avenues for employees to bring whatever idea they've got forward. And, and this is what we're trying to achieve with uh, this new role that I'm doing in addition to the, to the group head of HR role. Now, it's not actually what we're supposed to be talking about, but I'm just really curious on this, on this topic. From a practical perspective, how do, how do you actually ensure that all ideas are captured? That's, um, that's a hard one because the question is how, how big do you want to make that, right? Um, you know, what is an idea? You know, if you go back to the definition I just described, all change that adds value. Some ideas, you know, the first question is do you need to capture them? Right, um, and I think there's a scaling of what sort of ideas do you want to share around versus what sort of ideas do you just want to have quick wins and implement. Um, and and really, the answer is there isn't an answer. The answer is you need to find ways where people can go and take different ideas, and they might be scalable ideas, and they might be ideas that you want to share. But in other instances, it's just going to be something that you just say, go ahead and do it, or here's bit of money to go ahead and do it and 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 the most important bit I think around that is being able to say to people don't be scared to try something new take a risk if it doesn't look like it's going to work quickly um, fail and move on to something else or quickly say this is not going to work and move on to something else so that idea of being okay with failure is probably at the heart of innovation and then that lets you think about what is the best way to share and, and, and you know, um, I guess, take those innovations to different places. That's great. So tell us about uh, when Lisa's working culture. You, you, you mentioned it's a very entrepreneurial environment. I guess I'm particularly interested around its level of inclusiveness. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, 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 you know, like with many companies, there's a very diverse workforce in Lendley. So you've got everything from sort of, you know, investment bankers, as I sort of mentioned to you before, in, in, on one end, and then you've got, you know, um, construction workers and people that manage facilities such as shopping centres and so forth, you know, at the other spectrum. And, and each of those workforces is very different. And then, you, of course, in the middle, you have people that are architects and engineers and so forth that design. Um, so because it's a portfolio business, you you have to think about the the, the workforce and the workforce needs in, in very different ways. And there isn't a standard answer across the board. So by, by, by definition you need to be comfortable with being as diverse as possible and, and comfortable with diversity and, and the different sorts of, I guess, workforce requirements that come from that. Um, we have shifted, I think, um, considerably um, over the last few years. So, you know, when I joined the, the company a few years ago, we were really focused on compliance. You know, are we doing all the things, and I'm talking on an international basis here, are we doing all the things in the US to comply with, you know, um, uh, affirmative action legislation? Are we doing the things in the UK that we needed to do um, around equal employment opportunity? And of course, were we doing what we needed to do here in Australia? That has shifted a lot. I think in the last few years, we started doing uh, uh, more focusing on, for example, the valuing of diversity beyond compliance. And really what you know you see is what a lot of companies have been doing over the last few years, setting up employee resource groups, you know, building campaigns, talking about diversity in you know, senior management conversations, really kind of starting to build an external profile, 
having the debate that I think all companies have around things such as gender targets and, and how far do we go with that. And I think that's kind of an area that we are now starting to shift out of because all that is fantastic and that's all needed to kind of drive a practical implementation around what diversity means for a company. But it's actually shifting and I think your word around inclusiveness becomes um, a lot more important. So we kind of have described it as saying moving from a segment focus to a behaviour focus. And inclusiveness really talks about saying, irrespective of where you come from and your background and all the other things that we talk about when we talk about diversity, how do we get a mindset that first of all gets rid of unconscious bias in people's you know, interactions but also, more importantly, then encourages people to bring those different mindsets irrespective of backgrounds. And that's a cultural shift and it's a change in how people think about leadership and it's a change in how people interact with one another. So, you know, I guess my point is diversity is shifting from a set of programs and initiatives to really thinking about the style, attitude, behavior of leaders and then how those leaders impact others and in particular looking at what it is that makes them first of all be aware of their unconscious biases and secondly um, then encourage that diverse perspective and thought and experience that brings a better outcome at the end of the day. So what challenges um, or resistances have you encountered as, you, as you've seen this uh, transformation um, from you know diversity to inclusion. Um, the well, there's actually uh, you know it's interesting that you call it challenges and resistances because I think the first thing is that especially at the leadership level, and I think you're seeing this across boards across you know um, Australia, but also internationally, is people are moving in this direction. You know, they're saying. We need to move to an inclusiveness culture where I think generally speaking, I mean, you've seen it more with sort of female representation at senior ranks, but that is a, it's, if you like, it's a catalyst for other sorts of inclusiveness and other sorts, sorts, uh, sorts of, um, I guess, bringing different perspectives to, to the fore. Um, and so I think, um, I think actually companies are sort of now saying you know, we need to do this in order to be competitive. And it's not about resistances, it's about understanding. I think um, the, F FMC the, FC sorry, the FMCG companies do this particularly well. Um, I think that they have an understanding of their customer base, which is um, pretty, you know, astute and, and kind of the diversity that their customer base looks at. But all companies face the same thing, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, how we look at supplier diversity, how we look at, um, uh, you know, what customers are asking for us is really what the diverse and inclusive sort of approach really needs to encompass. So you can see it, um, I guess, moving from, you know, this is a nice thing to do and we want to make people feel good and all that to saying, if you want to be uh, competitive in the marketplace, and your customer base, by definition, is diverse, which I, and I think there's probably very few companies where it's not, um, you need to be able to tune into that. And that's where the difference is. I think, um, to your point about resistances, um, you know, I think the hardest thing to do is to start to um, have someone talk about their unconscious biases. 
because, you know, it moves from a conversation about how we're performing in business to a reflection of who you are as a person. And we've done um, many um, examples of, of where people get into rooms and we go through exercises and we start to highlight those unconscious biases. And it's tough. Um, you know, people kind of, you know, say I, I had either at one end, I had no awareness that actually I think some of these things and this is pretty confronting that I'm actually seeing this in myself to the other example, which is, or the other spectrum, which is this is, you know, absolutely not correct and I'm absolutely offended that this has even come up and this is not me, so this is all wrong, right? So you have to be able to deal with those reactions um, across the spectrum in a positive and in a constructive way. And um, they're, 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 that's an art. You know, there's no, there's no training course that's going to make that happen. That is a conversation that happens over a period of time which is reflective of actually individual differences and where individual people are coming from. And I think that's where the resistance sometimes comes up but it's a resistance that you need to be able to say, how do we then take this forward and how do we move away from people feeling defensive about their unconscious biases and in, act, in actual fact saying, I, I, I can grow and I can learn from this and I can be better and the company can be better as a result. So I guess the million-dollar question on that is how, how have you uh, seen, I guess, the management teams and, and individuals moving forward once... Um, that has been uh, has become clear. So those those things have been brought into the open. And how how, how have you worked with those individuals to um, to make them feel comfortable? Um, you know, I don't have a I don't have a magic answer on that. That is tenacity. That is continued conversations. Um, it is. I mean, as as with everything, it's about leadership from the top. So. You cannot underestimate how much the CEO's behaviours will impact what happens in the rest of the organisation. And if he or she is not aware of some of their unconscious biases, it permeates. And, um, you know, I think you have to start there, but then work with the leadership team. So, I mean, as I said, I don't think that there is a magic answer on that. I think there's ways to get conversations to talk about unconscious bias. And we've done a lot of training, interventions and so forth. But if you may leave it to a particular training intervention, you raise the awareness and then the awareness slips away because sometimes it's a tough thing for people to face. So you need to keep the conversations going as a first step. I think the other thing you need to do is um, at different levels of leadership, you need to make examples. And that sounds a little bit tough, but where people truly, truly do not want to support diversity or their unconscious biases create a negative environment, you kind of need to make an example of it and you need to call it out and say this is either no longer acceptable or or it needs to change or the person needs to be moved on. So I think the reinforcement of negative behaviours or the... Or the um, or the punishment, I guess, of negative behaviours is, is, is also important because otherwise the organisation gets cynical and it all becomes a, you know, a feeling that we're doing all the right things and saying all the right things, but in reality we're actually not walking the talk. So I think that's important. And at the end of the day, I think it's, you know, the magic is in, if you like, in the continued 
dialogue and the continued conversation, the continued involvement of not only the leadership team, but what that leadership team does with all their managers, which then leads down to what their managers do with all employees. And slowly, slowly, you do make a difference. And that was Michael Vavakos, Group Head of Human Resources for Lend Lease, talking on the journey of building a culture of inclusiveness. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, follow our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.